Well, welcome everybody. We made it. I'm just thankful that you have decided to join me. I'm thankful for all of your subscriptions. I'm thankful for your comments, your emails, your letters that you have sent to the church, um, your giving. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. We firmly believe that your seeds are making a difference. And I think we have a word on tonight that has been customized by heaven just for your life. I believe it's going to be good because it blessed me in my personal study time. So I feel like I am a man on a mission on tonight, and I want to get straight to work. This is a familiar passage of scripture, depending on where you are in your Christian journey. It's Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read just a few verses. Verse 12 tells us, Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on. Can I get somebody to drop that in the room? Press, press, press. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, there's that word again, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our clause of concern and our verse of importance lives and takes residence in verse 13. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I believe the Apostle Paul is saying it like this. Listen, I'm not even going to front. I don't have it all together. All my I's have not been dotted. All my T's have not been crossed. I have not mastered this thing. I have not arrived. But there is one thing I do have. There is one thing that I do understand. This one particular area is one of my strengths. I have learned how to leave things behind. I don't have everything else, but I've learned how to leave things behind. I've learned that I cannot move forward and consume former at the same time. I'm not perfect, but I have learned. I have learned that I cannot reach up for my upward calling while still hanging on to my downward craving. I'm not perfect, but I have learned that entries are married to exits. Did y'all hear what I just said? Why are we coming out like this? Just an introduction. Sweating and everything. Entries are married to exits. If I want to enter into something, this means I have to exit something. And I wonder who's watching this message on tonight where you have desired entry blessings, but you don't want exit sacrifices. This is going to be good. You want entry blessings, but you don't want exit sacrifices. Paul is saying, listen, I'm not perfect. But one thing I have learned is that endings are married to sendings. Endings are married to sendings. There is something that God wants to send, but it's predicated on your ability to end something. God is saying, I have some stuff that I want to send your way. But this can't be sent until that has went. <laughs> this can't be sent until something has gone the other way. I can give you Bible all day. 
Most of us have heard of the Ruth and Boaz story. I don't have time to break all of that down. There's just one part, one glimpse of their particular story that I want to bring to your attention on tonight. Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. This is, this is Boaz speaking to Ruth. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father. Please don't breeze over the death and the left. I have heard of all you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know. This is so powerful because this particular text is showing us unless something died in Ruth's life, something wouldn't have arrived in Ruth's life. And this isn't just a typical marriage because when Ruth and Boaz got married, they had a child named Obed and Obed had a child named Jesse and Jesse had a child named David. Y'all going to make me preach up in here. And Jesus came through the bloodline of David. So it was critical that something has to die in your life because God wants to do something with your future. And I don't know who I'm preaching to on tonight, but what in your life must die because God has something better for your future. Paul is saying, listen, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm not saying I have it all together, but I have learned how to identify that which has expired. Please hear me. Please hear me. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but one thing I do have is I have learned how to identify that which has spoiled. Have you identified what has spoiled in your life? Spoiled thinking, spoiled thought patterns. Spoiled relationships or does it take for you to consume it first and then get nauseous for you to then discover that was bad fruit? <laughs> I want to talk around this thought from this subject on tonight. What we are learning from the Apostle Paul. He is saying, listen, I don't count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do that is forgetting those things which are behind. Let's speak from this thought around this subject that has expired so God you're awesome we're asking would you flood this atmosphere even though it's virtual God we want it personal help us to be able to identify the things in our life that must end because there are so many revelations so many understandings so many blessings so many promotions and other crosses that we have to get that is going to come in our life once some things end so that there could be other things that you send and we're asking that you do it in Jesus' precious name, we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer, would you drop in the room on tonight? Amen. Amen. And I just felt that heaven has anointed me to come here as its oracle and just to get us to ask ourselves the question, have you identified what can't go with you? So I need everybody to put this confession in the room. You know how I do. You do not have the right to remain silent. There's a confession that I want everybody to drop in the room in all caps. Can I get everybody to say this? God, help me to discern that which has expired. One more time, all caps. God, help me to discern that which has expired. I feel as though my job my assignment on tonight is I want to get us to stop choosing familiar misery so we can embrace foreign joy. You can't go with me. 
Brothers and sisters and my beautiful church family, there's this statement that I'm going to keep on articulating all throughout this message, all throughout this sermonic journey that I want embedded on your heart, and that is you can't go with me. You can't go with me. There, there's some thought patterns that can't go with me. There, there's some mindsets that can't go with me. There's some addictions that can't go with me. There's some language that can't go with me because I cannot speak the language of heaven and speak the language of hell at the same time. It, it, it can't go with me. There, there's some relationships that unfortunately can't go with me. Because I'm a firm believer that all relationships fall in one of these two categories. It is either a divine attachment or a demonic distraction. Woo! It is either a divine attachment or a demonic distraction. And I can't speak for anybody else, but Jerry has personally arrived to this place where I don't have time to be loyal to somebody else's demons. I don't have time to be loyal to somebody else's demons because you can never defeat a devil that you enjoy playing with. I don't have time. I don't have time. You, you, can't, you can't go with me. That, that, that pride, it can't go with me. That arrogance, it can't go with me. That lust, it can't go with me. That selfishness, it can't go with me. Cursing people out, it can't go with me. Not believing God is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he will do. That type of thinking cannot go with me. How about this will be the year? 2021 will be the year where I make choices that are conducive for my destiny. Can I get on my soapbox really quick? This is my problem. This is my problem. Why is it on every December the 31st, somebody always feels as though they should give some prophetic word? And I'm cool with that. I'm cool. You feel like God gave you something that's cool. It should just come to pass. But I think my issue is, why is it that every prophetic word has to deal with external achievements instead of inward development? How about you prophesy, this will be the year you stop lying. <laughs> prophesy that. This will be the year you no longer are addicted to porn. Yeah, prophesy that. This will be the year you don't lie on your taxes. This will be the year you stop fornicating. It's getting hot up in here, y'all. This will be the year you throw away your vibrator. This will be the year you be kind, that you will be kind to your husband. This will be the year that you are kind to your wife. This will be the year that you become generous. This will be the year that you stick to that workout regimen. This will be the year that you start fasting. This will be the year that you have a prayer life. Why don't prophesy that? Because <laughs> that, that doesn't get the hype in the... Right, I understand. But, but, but I, I want us to really, really get to this place where God is saying, listen, I want you to start making choices that are conducive for your destiny versus conducive for your flesh. Now, I'm not the best in math. I never was the best in math. I hated Algebra 1, Algebra 2, Calculus, and Statistics. I hated them all. But there's one particular math skill that I believe everybody should have. I want us to have the math skill where you could calculate the future cost from this current decision. If I make this choice, how would this affect my destiny? That's a math skill that I think all of us should have. Because sometimes what we're dealing with, it's not a devil, it's a decision. Okay, all right. Feel like I'm losing my whole amen corner. Yet yeah, maybe you're not experiencing demonic attacks. Maybe you're experiencing the rubble of a decision you made. Sometimes it's not a devil, it's a decision. 
And then other times, it's not a decision, it's divinity. Meaning there's nothing that you could do to stop this. God has a process that you have to go through. God has a season that you have to go through. God has a trial that you have to go through. Not because he's punishing you, but because he's developing you. You have to, you have to go through this so that you can learn me in another dimension. I know we like to think that all hardships, all difficulties, all setbacks, and all trials are sent by the enemy. But what do you do when you try to rebuke a thing and it's not moving because you have been given the power to rebuke a devil and a demon, but you cannot rebuke that which God is using as surgery. God is saying, listen, there's something I have to teach you. See, listen, listen, listen. You'll see in Exodus that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, I could just imagine they coming out of Egypt, they turning up, they excited. We no longer have to deal with Pharaoh. I no longer have to make bricks without straw. I don't have to deal with Pharaoh's whip, nor that slave owner that kept on talking noise. Now what, bruh? Now what? I'm free now. And so I believe they're excited. And then as they begin to look up, God is leading them right towards the Red Sea. Is there anybody watching this message? Are you honest enough to admit that sometimes... Following Jesus feels like he's leading you to a dead end. It's okay. It's okay to be honest. It, it, it seems like the more I try to do the right thing, the more I try to seek his face. God, I feel this, y'all. The more I'm trying to give God glory in my life, it seems like he keeps on leading me right towards dead ends. But, but what if I told you that God leads us to Red Seas on purpose? For his purpose, for your purpose. God leads us to Red Seas on purpose. For his purpose, for your purpose. What is a Red Sea? A Red Sea is any situation you find yourself in when you don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. I've been furloughed. I've been laid off. I don't know how our marriage could overcome this. I don't know how my child could get over that. I don't know how I'm going to survive. God, many times will lead us right towards an appearing dead end. He will lead us to a Red Sea, and I believe he does this for two reasons. We have to understand this because sometimes we think when God leads us towards a Red Sea, or when we, or when we experience a wall, it must mean I took the wrong direction. It must mean I miss God. <laughs> it must mean God, God is not involved in this particular decision, but that's not always the case. Sometimes God leads you to a Red Sea because, number one, he wants to prove to you that he's with you. Yeah, I know that's not the point that you were expecting, right? <laughs> You're like, Jerry, I don't get it. Why would God lead me to a Red Sea to prove that he's with me? Because ever so often, God puts you in a scenario where you can't take the credit. My sister, you may be fly, and you can crack an egg, but baby girl, you can't crack a sea. My dude, you may think that you fly, but you can crack an egg, but you cannot crack a sea. And sometimes God put us in a situation where nobody can take the credit. You can't give credit to your wisdom. You can't give credit to your degrees. You can have more degrees than a thermostat. You can't give credit to your pastor. You can't give credit to your platform. You can't give credit to people. The only person who could take credit for this is God because there's no way I could have got out of this on my own and oh I have a sneaky suspicion that I'm talking to somebody because you know the only reason you are still sane in the membrane 
I can't take the credit. Only God could have done that. The only way that that divorce did not take me out, that betrayal did not take me out, that police officer didn't find that weed in the back seat, that she didn't end up pregnant. Y'all not talking to me. That this didn't come to surface. It must be because God has a way of covering me. God has a way of developing me. And God wants to do something so mighty in your life where nobody can take the credit but him. Can we pause for the cause? Pull over, park, put a quarter in the meter and give God a virtual praise that he got us out of stuff and I can't give nobody else the credit but him. <laughs> but him. That is the only reason I got out of that alive. I can't take the credit. Bullets were flying when you were at that party. You heard them whistle past you, but they didn't hit you. I like to call it a Passover praise. It's when you give God praise because there was a time in your life when something should have hit you, but it missed you. I should have married that life wrecker, but God. I should have lost my mind, but God. Thank you, God, for putting me in a situation to where nobody can get the credit but you. The second reason I believe God leads us towards Red Seas is so that he could handle your past. This is so good, y'all. It's so that he could handle what is coming behind you, your Pharaoh. I want to handle your past because I said who the son has set free is free indeed. Sometimes God puts us in situations where we don't even recognize, but he's saying, listen, I'm going to handle what used to handle you. <laughs> I'm going to handle what used to handle you. Let me give you Bible. Let me give you Bible. Exodus chapter 15, verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took the timbrel in hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. See, this doesn't make sense to you. You don't understand why she's dancing. You don't understand why all of them are turning up. It's because we haven't read verse 19. Let's put verse 19 at the bottom of the screen. Look at this. Verse 19 tells us, For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the water of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Listen, you don't know what could have swallowed me up. Don't judge my 20 if you don't know my 19. Don't judge my verse 20 if you don't know my 19. I might look good and well put together on tonight, but you don't know the stuff that almost swallowed me up. You don't know the suicide that almost swallowed me up. You don't know the depression that almost swallowed me up. You cannot judge my 20 if you don't know my 19. Can I get somebody to put in the room, you don't know my 19? <laughs> you, you don't know my 19. I'm praising like this because of what could have happened. I'm praising like this because God kept something from swallowing me up. And this is powerful because for Moses and the Israelites, God caused the waters to swallow Pharaoh. But for us, he allowed the blood to swallow up our sin. And I wonder if there are anybody thankful that you have been blood covered. Yeah, yeah, I'm not with all state, but I'm still in good hands. I'm, I'm blood covered. God leads us to Red Seas. Because number one, he wants to put us in a situation where nobody can take the credit but him. But then number two, he wants to deal with your past. I'm free from that. And I feel many people, you've experienced frustration. I'm with you. You've experienced 
layers and levels of frustration. But for the next few moments, I would like to reintroduce frustration to you. Could it be one of the reasons that you're so frustrated is because perhaps you're trying to make moves, but God is trying to break chains. Yeah, you're trying to move and hustle and grind. You're trying to move in the natural, but God is trying to break something off you in the spiritual because moving and progress are not synonymous. Did you hear what I just said? Moving and progress are not synonymous. You can be making moves, but not be making progress. See, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to just preach to you religious rhetoric. One thing I could not stand growing up is I could not stand hearing churchy messages that sound good, make people shout, but I don't know how to apply that to my life. So you may be watching this message and you're like, okay, I feel you, Jay. There's some things that I don't want to take with me. But how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. I have this house of change. I use this all throughout the year, and I'm going to use this all throughout my ministry tenure. I want you to see this. You see this? This is what I like to call the house of change. Okay? Now, a lot of us are saying, I don't want to take this system. And I'm trying to get you to understand, you can have all the spiritual nutrients, reading the word, fasting, prayer, community, devotion, accountability, but you still need practical implications. So the system is I want to be free from lust. I want to be free from porn. But you got to start with the pattern because patterns create rhythms and rhythms create systems. If you're just saying the system can't go with me, but you're not dealing with the pattern, you're going to find yourself frustrated. So I have to notice and, and, and take inventory of my patterns. Notice the pattern of how when you first wake up in the morning and you grab your phone, that's when the desire to watch pornography rages the most. I don't want to just give you religious rhetoric. I want to give you handles. Notice the pattern. So how about instead of grabbing your phone, instead of grabbing your phone and immediately starting to scroll on Instagram, which you know all it takes is for one image for you to see, because some of us are following things that keep us in bondage. That's a whole other sermon. But... It is that phone in my hand that I'm scrolling on at 7 a.m., which causes for my lust to rage. Notice the pattern. How about switch the pattern? When your alarm clock go, goes off, wake up, pray, work out, shower. It's going to be harder after you do all of that to go back to the addiction. I'm not saying that it's always going to be successful, but I am saying notice the pattern. Notice the pattern. You're saying, listen, I, I want to overcome overthinking. I want to overcome overthinking, Jay. All right, well, I have to deal with the pattern of creating up scenarios. <laughs> Why y'all looking at me like that? Is anybody watching this message where you create scenarios to where you can literally see somebody post something and you think that they're talking about you? You create scenarios and then you project your thought bubbles on people. And so now I want you to ask yourself, is it you're really having bad days? Or could it be you're entertaining bad thoughts, which creates bad vibes, which causes for you to have a bad day? I got to deal with the pattern of creating scenarios because the word of God says you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation happens here is right here because our life moves in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. I, I want to be free from this. And you have to understand this, please. You have to understand this. Real breakthrough 
is not just stopping the activity. Real breakthrough is when God reveals to you how it started. Did y'all hear what I just said? Real breakthrough is not just stopping the activity. Real breakthrough is when God reveals to you how it started. Because if you just stop the activity, all that's doing is clipping the twig. But if you could discover, how did the enemy even get this in my heart? Oh, now we can pluck up the roots. And I wonder, have anybody watching this message been so caught up that you want twig makeovers when God wants root transformation? Hmm. It starts with the root. Maybe, maybe this is the reason why I keep picking the wrong people. Maybe it doesn't even have anything to do with you. But it has to do with the roots that I never got the affirmations I needed as a child. Mommy was too busy or daddy was too busy or daddy wasn't there. And so I never got the affirmations I needed as a child. So now that you're grown, you love hard because it was hard not being loved. Y'all, I feel this. It was hard not being loved. So now any person that takes interest in you. You find yourself trying to fight for their approval and you find yourself trying to prove that you're worthy to be loved and trying to prove to them that you're good because you never were accepted and you never got the affirmations. Good job, son. Good job, daughter, from your parents. And so now you have appointed somebody from a lower level in a room in your heart. And people from lower levels don't have the capacity to love you with the love that you need to be loved. And since you appointed them there and they can't provide you with that love there, you feel dissed. Put them together. This is how we get disappointed. This is so powerful, y'all. Because we are appointing people in the wrong room. The real breakthrough is not just clipping the twig. It, it's discovering the root. It's, it's discovering the root. Could you be frustrated because you want God to send you a miracle in an area that just requires discipline? <laughs> You want God to give you a miracle in this area. And God's like, listen, this, this just requires discipline. Self-discipline. The beginning of self-discipline is the mastery of thoughts. Y'all, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The beginning of self-discipline is the mastery of thoughts. Could you be so frustrated due to the arrogance of prayerlessness? Because when a man or a woman doesn't pray, they're arrogant. They're saying, God, I got this on my own. I don't need your involvement. I don't need your help. See, there was this one particular time here in our local church, I asked my dad for his keys. I said, Dad, I need to see your keys. I need to run upstairs in the utility room and get something. And so he hands me these keys. Y'all see this? These keys right here, you never want to be in a scary movie or have some type of serial killer or Jeepers Creepers coming behind you with keys that look like this. <laughs> so I'm upstairs. All right, let me try this key. All right, that one don't work. Let me, let me try this key. All right, all right, that one doesn't work. Okay, man, let me try this key. Wait, did I try this key already? Wait, wait, let me, okay. What does this one say? This one says 462. All right, let me try this key. All right, that one don't work. This one says 4622. This one don't work. And so now I find myself getting frustrated, right? Because I'm like, it should not take this long for me to find out which key opens up this door. And so I'm really getting frustrated. And after about five minutes, I come downstairs. I said, Dad, hey, what key is this? What key opens the utility closet upstairs? And he kind of laughs at me. He's like, you haven't been up, you haven't gotten a utility room yet? You've been wrestling with that the whole time? Why didn't you just ask me? And I think some of us 
God has given you all the keys you need. Man, God has given you all the keys you need to have a financial platform. God has given you all the keys you need for you to experience wholeness. God has given you all the keys you need to stick with this regimen. It's just that some of us don't have prayer lives. And prayer is intimacy with God, and he'll reveal to us which key can cause for you to get in this room. Frustrated due to prayerlessness. Frustration. Frustration. Or sometimes we're frustrated because of the divine gap. There is a gap that exists between the promises of God and the manifestation of that promise. Bible all day. Abraham, you will have a son. That's the promise. 25 years later, here comes Isaac. Manifestation. And what we have to recognize is the season we get the oil is not the season we take the position. Did y'all hear me? The season we get the oil is not the season we get the position. The reason you have the oil is because the oil, meaning your anointing, your supernatural spiritual power, your giftedness, the reason you have oil is so that you can know that you're heading in that direction. The reason God puts you in this gap is so that your head can start thinking in that direction. This is so powerful, y'all. I'm not punishing you. The gap, or in other words, the process is so that the oil and your head can catch up. Because right now, your head has not caught up with your oil. Your head has not caught up with your anointing. Your head has not caught up with what you've been called to do. And so God will divinely set forth the season where, yes, you have been anointed, but I'm putting you in a position where your head can start to think where you're going. I know that you're right here, but I need you to start thinking there. You don't get attracted to people right here because you're not staying here. I gave you oil here because I want you to start heading there. Let me give you Bible, okay? First Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Listen, listen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, speaking of David, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose. This is the part that messes me up. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Pause. Wait a minute. Problem. Hold up. If you just anointed me King David and you just poured all this oil on my head in the presence of, this, of my brothers, why are you going back to Ramah, bro? We need to go to the palace because <laughs> I'm anointed king, right? Negative. You have a palace anointing, but you currently have pasture placement. Oh, what do you do when you have a palace anointing, but you have pasture placement? Pasture placement. You maximize the pasture. I'm not dating people in the pasture because I'm not staying here. Because if you don't understand your oil, your own preference can make you settle. That's a whole word in itself. If you don't understand you're not staying here and I'm going somewhere else, you'll be attracted to things that will remain in the pasture when you're headed to the palace. And then you risk trying to get in the palace but still liking things from the pasture. This is good, y'all. The season of your oil is not always the season of your position. You're not staying here. Can I get somebody to put that in the room? I'm not staying here. See, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard to get us to normalize celebrating closed doors. I'm trying so hard. 
Because I think we have done the body a disservice of getting people to shout over arriving to the mountaintop, but not getting them to be thankful for the season when you're behind the mountain and nobody knows your name, when nobody knows who you are, when nobody knows what you carry, when nobody knows your giftedness, when nobody knows your skills, when nobody knows your assignment, that's that gap because God is trying to get your head to match your oil. And I'm trying to normalize. And one day when I say, let's give God a praise for closed doors, everybody going to turn up because we get it. When I take a shower, I close the door. When I'm getting washed, I close the door. When I'm in the dressing room, I close the door. When I'm using the restroom, I'm closing the door. God's the same way. When he washes you, he closes the door. When he's changing you, he closes the door. There has been too much preaching about give God a praise for open doors. I want us to start giving God praise for hallways. Give God praise for hallways when you're right in between the exit and the entry. I'm not there, but thank God I'm no longer there. So while I'm right here in the hallway, there's something that God is trying to teach me. While I'm right here in the hallway, there's something that I'm trying, there's something that God wants me to get because it's necessary for what happens when I go through the next level. If you can't handle the criticism in the basement, the criticism upstairs is going to destroy you. I have to get tough here in the hallway. How does Paul get to this place where he says, listen, I don't have everything together, but one thing I do have is I have learned how to leave things behind. I believe this skill happens when two things happen in your life. Number one, when you have a collision course encounter with Jesus. Because Jesus reveals identity. This is why certain breakups hurt so much, because that gave you identity. When I encounter the king of glory, he reveals to me why he made me, why I'm here. And this must mean if they left, they're not necessary for my destiny. There is nobody. Please hear me. Please hear me. Your destiny is never attached to who left. Your destiny is never attached to who left. And when you understand and have this collision course encounter with the king of glory, he will reveal to you your identity. Number two, I think what has to happen is you have to get to a place where you're fed up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You have to get to a place where you're fed up. I'm fed up waking up and the first emotion I feel is anger. I I'm fed up with clearing my history due to what I just watched all night. I'm fed up with getting high every night. I'm fed up with turning up at the club. Have you, ever get, have you ever got to a place where you're tired of what you used to like? I'm fed up with average. I'm fed up with mundane. I'm fed up with typical. I'm fed up with the normal way of living. I believe before you can go up, show up, or blow up, you have to first get fed up. Before you can go up, show up, or blow up, you have to first get fed up. What if I were to tell you that sometimes frustration is divine? It's divine, divine frustration. All frustration really is, is a revelation of a noun. God uses frustration as a revelation of a person, place, or thing that you have outgrown. You're frustrated because I'm giving you a revelation of where you no longer need to invest your time. That's why you're frustrated, because God is saying there must be more than this. And he always has a famine for the prodigal.
He always has a famine for the prodigal. And, and, and please don't misconstrue what I'm saying because frustration does not always mean relocation. <laughs> frustration does not always mean relocation. Sometimes the very place that we're at that we don't like, God is using to increase your oil. You have oil, but I have to increase your oil and I have to get your mind right. And if we don't, if we're not careful of this, the enemy will cause us to quit or walk away from things that God is using to grow you up. This promotion is for grown folk. And right now you're immature. And just because this may be a difficult boss or a difficult leader, that doesn't always mean quit. Sometimes God has you there so that you can catch the heart of people. So that when you are a leader, you'll know to love people, not love crowds. I believe that's what 2020 really exposed for the church. There were a lot of churches that built campuses, but they didn't build people. There were a lot of pastors. They did it for crowds, but they didn't do it for the king. And sometimes God will place you in a season because he wants to increase your oil. And if we think just because I'm frustrated means I need to relocate, you could forfeit your coming harvest. Or what's worse, you could forfeit your spot. <laughs> There was this one guy, years ago, I took fishing. And I was telling him, I said, hey, bro, listen, this is a good spot. We have our bait, we throw in the water, and we just sitting there chilling. I got my little music on, my Pandora on, and he's on Snapchat, kind of focused on his Snapchat. And I'm like, man, focus, man, there's some big fish over here. And he starts focusing after an hour goes by and he catches nothing. He says, man, there ain't nothing over here, man. I'm chilling. And I told him, I said, dude, there are big fish over here. He said, man, you catch something first. All right. <laughs> so I go right where he's standing. About 20 minutes later, my line goes down. And I catch this huge drum, and he's like, that's my fish. No, you moved. What if I told you that for some of us, we're saying, God, move on my marriage. Move on my ministry. God, move. God, move. Could the problem be God is moving, but you're moving too. Mm. Sometimes I have to stay in position, wait on the Lord, because just because it's difficult, doesn't mean quit. You were never promised that it would be easy. You were promised the victory. And so I believe on the night, I wanted to come on just for a few moments to get us to understand it's gonna take a fight. It's gonna take a fight to not dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. Yeah, it's gonna take a fight. It's gonna take a fight for you to believe and know that in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your circumstances, that you have an all-sufficient Savior that's right there with you. And he won't let you drown, but he will call you to walk on the water with him. He will call you to walk on the turbulence with him. And I want to know, which one have you been looking at more? The turbulence or the altitude? Because turbulence is only given to those who are flying. You can't go with me. Paul is saying, I'm not perfect, but I've learned how to leave things behind. And my prayer on the night, we'll be able to identify what in my life, what in my circle, and what in my head do I have to go to war with so that when I cross over, it doesn't cross over with me. And we pray that you will give us hearts that beat after you. Make us your billboard and anoint us to be your soundtrack, the PA system of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.